Today I speak to you in the name of the true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I have been in this pulpit before, but today I come with the joyful, deeply joyful recognition that I am here as your retired associate under the kind invitation of Father Rumstead. So, And you need to know that I consider that truly a a very high honor. And so uh, it's great to be among family now and friends. So, Well, the disciples really say it for us. Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. I have said that many times along the journey of my life when I'm confronted with circumstances or challenges that really press me to the metal, where I recognize that given the resources that I have in and of myself, I, I doubt I'm going to make it here, Lord, increase my faith, increase my faith. And I'm sure that that's familiar to you as well. Faith is something which we turn to when most likely we're in desperate situations, But I want us to think a little bit more about how Jesus teaches his disciples about the nature of faith. Because he answers their question, but in a way perhaps they didn't expect. Lord, increase our faith. I think one of the reasons why they are asking this question is because Jesus' teaching can be extremely challenging and difficult. I think we would agree. And they had just been exposed to some teaching along the way where Jesus is telling them some things which require of them perhaps resources they know they don't have. Just as an example, how many times must we forgive? And Jesus says, well, there's really no limit. You forgive every time. There's no limit to forgiveness. Now, if you take that seriously, you might say, Lord, increase my faith. Increase my faith here. Come on. Jesus, are you kidding me? I want to share with you that I think Jesus answered their question, but he didn't answer it in the way they had expected. He knew they needed faith, but what he was trying to do was to support them and to build their confidence in the faith that was already within them. In other words, it's already within you. Jesus said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, the tiniest seed that you could ever find, that would be sufficient enough to tell this mulberry tree to lift up and jump into the sea. Now that's hyperbole, obvious. But Jesus is trying to say say something here. It's not a matter of the quantity of faith that you have. It's about putting into action the faith you already have. Faith is a gift from God. And each of you have faith, or you would not be here today. And so to cry out in desperation, Lord, increase my faith, is in some measure to deny the reality that you already have the faith that is sufficient. 
You see how Jesus turns that around? I, this is what I love about our Lord. He takes us to a deeper level of understanding and reality. And then he uses another story of hyperbole, and it sounds a little grating to our ears when he speaks about which one of you having a slave. And when they come in from working in the field, and would you have them sit down and you serve them dinner first? He said, no. But when you've done what you have been commanded to do, to do just say, we're just worthless slaves. We're just doing what we were told to do. We're worthless slaves. Now, do you think that Jesus wants you to consider yourself worthless? Absolutely not. What he's trying again to demonstrate is that having faith, no matter how small it may be to you, is not a matter of merit or gold star or whatever it is or a badge or some new identity and status. Boy, he has great faith. I've had people come to me and say, I wish I had the faith that you have, Father. And I want to say, you may want to think about that. What you want is to take the faith that is already within you and put it into action. Now, all of the lessons that we have for today really are about faith. There's so much good stuff here. But I want to focus in on two ideas that I think the scripture is telling us about the nature of faith. Maybe the issue is not, Lord, increase my faith, but what kind of faith am I asking for? It's not a magic wand. It's not a pass, go past the jail. What is it that we're asking for? Well, again, let's step back a little bit and think about faith. You have faith. You have faith in the fact that you came here this morning in the car that you drove, and you have confidence that that car will get you back home. You're not worried about it, I don't think. It depends on what kind of car you're driving, but I don't think you're worried about getting home. I think you have confidence in your car to bring you home. That is faith. Yes, it's kind of a secular idea of faith, but it's true. A better word for faith to help us understand might be the word confidence. Jesus wanted to increase the confidence of his disciples. Confidence in what? In God. Not in their resources, but in God's resources. That's what faith is really all about. He knows they need faith. But what he's trying to help them understand is that it's not so, more, not so much about asking for more faith. It's, it's really seeing that God's gift of faith is sufficient already. You have enough. You just have to act on it. See, faith is the willingness to act as if what you're acting on is true. Do you believe that God's love is true for you? Do you believe that God loves you and accepts you as you are and not as you should be? Well, faith would say, yes, and I'm going to act on that. I believe I am received by God and his love and mercy for me. That should make a difference in the way you live. Faith is confidence. Or maybe we could say faith is God confidence. You're confident in the availability and the reality of God. You're relying on resources that are beyond your own. What are you counting on? Just your own resources? How's that going for you? Let me tell you a little story. I think that confidence in faith 
is something that we also see and experience and encounter in others. One of the most important people in my journey of faith, God confidence, was the 100th Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael Ramsey. God bless his soul. When I went to Neshota House Seminary, that's where God lives, right? Obviously. Yeah, okay. I mean, it produced two fantastic priests. But anyway, uh, well, maybe one fantastic priest. So, but in my second year at Neshota House, Michael was teaching, Archbishop Michael was teaching. And this man, if you ever really thought that you, you were going to try to achieve the greatest faith in the world, you would say, I want what he has. But I remember one day taking a break and I went down to one of the lakes at Neshota and I was just out in the beauty of that, that spot in Wisconsin. And I heard something coming around the corner. And as I looked, I saw that it was Archbishop Michael Ramsey. Now he was way in his 80s at this point. And I didn't want him to see me. I kind of felt you know, embarrassed that I didn't want to ruin what he was doing because he was, it was obviously that he was in some type of meditation or devotion. And so I kind of hid behind a tree. I know, I know. And uh, as he was walking by, it was like I got invited into something. A very private and beautiful intimate moment. And he was walking by and he, he was just like this walking along and he was just saying, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. That's confidence. A lifetime of confidence with God. You see, we already, already have the ability to act with God and to cooperate with God and to recognize that we're not living by our own resources. We can count and rely on faith as being more than a leap in the dark. It is based in knowledge and reason and reality. The Nicene Creed, which we're going to profess, is a body of spiritual knowledge, not just good ideas. And as Michael Ramsey said, the central reality of the Christian faith is not a book, it's a person. And you put your confidence in Jesus, you have enough faith. You have confidence in people. I have confidence in your rector. I have confidence in my wife. I have confidence in a lot of things, a lot of people. And the reason why I have confidence in them is because they have proved trustworthy. God is worthy of your trust. Okay, I'm preaching, so now I better get moving. All right. That's the first idea. Faith is confidence. The second idea comes out of our epistle for today, where Timothy is listening to his mentor, the Apostle Paul. And Paul is, is just boasting and grateful for the fact that Timothy had a sincere faith that he, he gained from his family of origin. And boy, if you've ever had that opportunity to be raised in a family of faith, you're, you're fortunate. But not everybody does. But Timothy did. But there was something that somehow held Timothy back. He was timid. He kind of was in a withdrawal stance towards life. He, he may have been fearful of 
of being a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul said, look, I want you to fan into a flame the gift that has been given to you through the laying on of my hands. Because God has not given you, and this is the text, great text. God has not given you a spirit of what? Timidity. God has given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Here's the idea. Faith is not only confidence. Faith is agency. You have agency. God created you to be a steward of the resources that he's given you. God wants you to act in this world. He wants you to stand and he wants you to take your place in this world because no one else can be just like you. God has not given you a spirit of timidity. He's given you a spirit of agency. See, sometimes we can be paralyzed by grace. What do you mean by that? Well, here's the idea, you know. I'm saved by grace, and yes, you are. Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. But if you do nothing about that, nothing will happen. Oh yes, you'll get to heaven, I guess. You may not so much like it there. The Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy, look, this is something you must do. You must fan the gift into a a flame. You must steward the resources of God's grace. Work out your own salvation, right? In other words, God expects you to participate and to act in the development of your character, your Christ-likeness. You get to do that. That's agency. Nothing happens if we don't make an effort. Grace is opposed to earning your salvation. But it is not opposed to effort, my friends. And I think that's probably one of the challenges that we face in the church these days. That people think it's all, you're saved by grace and that's it. You got your barcode and you got your ticket punched and you're on your way. There's more to it. Thank God there's more to it. So dear friends, confidence and reliance upon the goodness and greatness of God is sufficient faith. You may find yourself in desperate circumstances. Hold on. Just hold on. Because God is holding on to you. So next time you think about asking God to increase your faith, maybe the prayer should be, Lord, help me to claim my faith and to use it.